0: What's up, guys? It's Little D from FMF, and when I'm not mixing gas and hauling ass, I'm listening to Big MX Radio.
1: Hey, guys, what's up? This is Andy forsella here. You're listening to Big MX Radio, but when you're done with this episode, come check out the MFCEO project, the MFCEO.com.
0: I got all your motivation. I've got everything you need to know about running your brand. I've got everything you need to know about getting shit done, and we can do it together. Welcome to the Big MX Radio podcast show brought to you by FMF and The Fast House. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt, with us on the line, the 87 in your program, likely number one in your hearts after seeing this privateer rip through the pack time and time again, all summer long, also races Supercross with the TPJ Racing Program. Dylan Merriam, how's it going? Going good, thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks for making time for us here on the Big MX Radio Podcast Show. Uh, it's uh, it's always a pleasure to chat with you. You're you're a seasoned professional, I believe. This is your third full season doing both indoors and out. Uh,
1: my second full season, actually, okay, yeah. uh, but this was my rookie four hundred and fifty year. The whole year,
0: no doubt. Well, uh, the, honestly, the the, the there wasn't that many rookies in the 450 class this year. I think literally it was just yourself and uh, and Benny Bloss uh, of guys who were uh, basically doing the entire series. Um, for those who aren't completely familiar with uh, kind of the backstory of Dylan Miriam, uh, give us a little bit of the Coles notes. Uh, who are you, where are you from, and, uh, and where did you do a lot of your amateur racing? Because that's something people for sure don't know a lot about. Yeah, I'm from
1: Southern California, Corona to be exact. Oh, nice. um, I'm 21. And uh, yeah, I, um, you know, I've been practicing, we have a ton of tracks nearby and, you know, in the amateurs, we, we always traveled around to, uh, you know, Freestone had a national, I went to Loretta's uh, a few times, actually ended up getting a championship there in 2014. And, uh, you know, we didn't hit it too hard, you know, when I was on 80s and 60s, but we started picking it up once we got on big bikes and, you know, that's where it took off from there.
0: For sure, and uh, you're a, you're a tall, strong guy. It doesn't surprise me that you'd move to the 450 and have success there. Uh, you got to be what six two, about 180. Uh,
1: no, I'm actually. <laughs> hey, thanks for that. <laughs> but uh, I'm about I'm about six one. Okay. And I weigh, you know, typically I would walk around about you know 175 ish, maybe a little heavier, but I'm able to keep my weight down to about 170.
0: Right on. Well, uh, yeah, a, a tall drink of water either way. Uh, stats you'd, you'd likely see on uh, on a football card rather than a motocross racer. But you make it work, and uh, this season has really been a step forward for you. I uh, mentioned it your second year, kind of a sophomore uh, performance, if you will. Uh, some more experience, a uh, little bit less uh, awestruck with some of the guys that you're heading out there for practice with. And uh, most notably this summer, where... Um, uh, everyone talking, coming in, like, uh, there was quite a few guys, factory guys, not racing. Who's going to be that privateer that steps up, makes noise and does so consistently throughout the summer. And, uh, and for a long period of time, it was yourself. Um, with exception of a couple of off weekends due to some, uh, due a, a trip to Indonesia when you were in, uh, uh, Redbud, I think you had a really solid summer.
1: Yeah, it was great. You know, it started, it couldn't have started better. You know, my first three races, first six motos were all solid. And, uh, the third round was where I was able to put two motos together in the top 10 and get ninth overall. And then, you know, the next few rounds, we kind of hit a rough patch as far as like the bike stuff that was kind of out of our control, but, uh, we pushed through it and then, you know, red butt, I had that big crash and that kind of tweaked me. You know, uh, my body was hurting from that. I tweaked my back and you know, trying to recover from that while still traveling and racing, it was kind of hard, but, um, you know, each week it felt like it would get a little better during the week, but then on the weekends it would kind of go back to square one. Um, but really, you know, Washougal was the point where I kind of hit rock bottom. You know, I was hurting real bad and I was kind of getting burnt out on just, you know, not performing on the weekend and putting all the weekend, putting all the work in during the week. Right. Um, so, I actually used the week off to take the whole week off and kind of just take it light, have fun, do some, you know, play some basketball, just, you know, try to get the fun and, you know, keep my back from, you know, anything that was real taxing on it. And that really helped. We came into Unadilla. I felt a hundred percent. And, you know, we started things off with a really killer hole shot and, you know, there were some problems out of my control that weekend, but it was a mud race. It happens. Um, And we carried that momentum into, you know, Bud's Creek and that was another textbook weekend, you know, two solid motos, ninth overall again. And I really wanted to finish the season how I started it because I feel like, you know, a few more factory guys were back that weren't in the beginning. And I wanted to show that I could do, you know, I could be just as good on the East Coast track as I can on the West Coast tracks.
0: For sure. And like I said, you backed it up all summer long. Um, So I got to ask, what was the X factor for you? What allowed a guy who uh, was wasn't consistently making top 20s in supercross races. And, and, and last summer, uh, definitely not jumping inside the top 10 uh, as far as the motos uh, were concerned. Um, like, How do you like, basically flip the script and become a guy who uh, is basically on a lot of motos, uh, maybe not knocking off a lot of uh, factory guys, but at least the best of the rest as far as uh, the 450 class was concerned? It was a huge step forward for your career. Yeah, definitely.
1: Honestly, the biggest thing was just being healthy. You know, the last three years, I've really struggled with injury. You know, it's, it's always been something, you know, two years in a row. You know, going into my first year of Supercross in 17, uh, a month before Anaheim, I broke my wrist. So I had to, you know, end up switching over to 250 East Coast because I would have missed too many rounds on the West. And I still started the season with only a few weeks on the bike. My wrist wasn't 100%. And, uh, you know, I had more injuries throughout the year. I got hurt in outdoor twice you know, I broke my foot at Glen Helen and I broke a vertebrae before Unadilla. So everything was just up in the air. And then, you know, I felt good coming into 2018 and I broke my ankle literally two days, but a year later that I did my wrist. Um, So once again, I missed the first three rounds, but we had bumped up to the 450. So I came in at round four, two weeks on the bike, not prepared, you know, and you know, you can only be so prepared. You can't make up for the time that you lost riding. Right. But, you know, you, you can work out as much as you want off the bike, but you can't make up the time on the bike. So I started the season, my rookie year in the 450 class, you know, and a 450 is tough already in Supercross. It's a big change. And, you know, it just, it, it was a building year. It took, you know, a lot. And then, uh, you know, towards the end of the year, we started making mains and, you know, it started getting a lot better. I got a fill and ride with Cycle Trader. And, You know, coming into outdoors for the first time in my professional career, I came into, you know, the first race of the year 100% healthy, fit, and ready to go. And it showed at the first three rounds, you know. And even after that, you know, we had a good showing at Muddy Creek, which was round five. You know, I had food poisoning at round four, so I wasn't able to make that. But um, it was just, you know, super up and down. But, you know, I came into the season healthy, and I'm glad to say that I finished it healthy.
0: For sure, and uh, and how how did that all come together with you uh, getting on the Cycle Trader uh, Rock River Yamaha? In fact, uh, it was only a couple of years ago that we saw you riding orange bikes.
1: Yeah, I switched to Yamahas in 2017. I thought it would be a good change, and Yamaha had pretty good support, um, and stayed with them. Uh, fast forwarding into 2018, you know, I started making some mains and. Uh, I actually had reached out to Christina Denny, at cycle trader, and um, asked her if I could fill in for Alex Ray because he had gotten hurt on the four fifty well at the time, when I had reached out to her, she had told me that Alex was going to be making his return a few weeks later, so they didn 't want to fill me in you know for one or two races with him coming back um, but coincidentally, a few weeks later, Bradley Taft was out with the injury and they I was able to fill in for him on the 250 she had called me up and I was actually really I'm really good friends with Bradley's mechanic at the time Jordan and he said he had reached out to Christina and you know put my name out there and I think between him and I both reaching out to her she you know gave me the opportunity to fill in for Taft on the 250 and I told her I was ready to go and I, it was a good deal
0: for sure, and you were able to uh, kind of um, put the 450 down for a sec, relearn how to ride a 250, uh, and which is a little bit more aggressive riding style uh, for, for those who uh, don't uh, kind of jump back and forth between two bikes. What was the biggest change for you going from one bike to the next?
1: Honestly, you know, the biggest change was having that aggression. You know, it's, you want to be aggressive whether it's 250 or 450, but in Supercross on a 450, you have to be a lot more patient with stuff. And, you know, not necessarily a lazy riding style, but when I had transitioned over to the 250, I was being a little too patient, not, you know, explosive enough on the bike. And, you know, that was the main thing I had to work on. I think, uh, I only had about, you know, four days before our first race to work on those things. But, you know, I had a few people that pointed those out relatively quick and, you know, I don't, I don't feel like, there was really much of an adjustment period. I jumped on it. I felt like I was as good or better. And, you know, we showed up the last three prepared. Seattle was kind of hard because that was my debut with the team. And hey, it buddy. was a complete mudder.
0: <laughs> yeah. um,
1: and I rode great. But, you know, for the conditions, I felt like I, I rode awesome. But one of the things, too, was it was my first Supercross mutter, And, you know, dr- jumping back to the 250, I was a little bit harder on the clutch than I should have been that was kind of, you know, something yep. I, something I had to learn. Um, and I fried the bike in both the heat race and the LCQ and, you know, in the heat race, I was running, I want to say fourth or fifth and, uh, with like two laps to go. And I fried the bike and then the LCQ, I was also in like, I want to say like second or third or something. And I fried it again. So that was a bummer. But then we went to salt Lake and I was two laps away from the top 10 and went down, but was able to get up and still get 12th, which was at the time, or which is still my career best so far in Supercross, so
0: um, yeah, it was a good deal, for sure. And you, you took that momentum off to uh, I believe you still ra- raced uh, Supercross, uh, like the uh, or yeah, was it the last race of the year. No, that was Daytona that you uh, you you were still on the on the big bike. You finished the season on uh, on Cycle Trader and then uh, broke out the big 450 to go outdoors and um, like basically set sail to, uh, to really, um, like make a name for yourself. Uh, were you starting to surprise yourself a little bit with some of the, uh, uh, results you were able to get? I think you had one, uh, kind of misfortunate moto in Glen Helen, but otherwise, uh, the beginning of the season was almost blemish free. Yeah.
1: You know, it, it, you know, it was kind of hard drifting, you know, or s- transferring over into outdoor because, you know, I went from being on cycle trader with a semi and everything paid for back to being on my own, but, You know, I knew that going into outdoors that I was healthy and that, you know, I was capable of being in the top 10. That was my goal all along. And, you know, I don't think I necessarily surprised myself. You know, there were times where I was like, you know what, like, you know, maybe a little surprised, like, you know, I was starting almost every moto, you know, my first six motos, every start was like top five or 10. Yeah. And that surprised me a little bit. And, you know, it gave me that confidence to tell myself, Hey, you know there's no reason I shouldn't be here every single moto. And, you know, it was, uh, the first two rounds, you know, I, I rode great, but Glenn Helen, you know, the second moto I was in seventh and had a pretty big crash and, you know, tweaked my knee and I didn't end up finishing that moto, but, um, you know, my riding was great. And then Colorado was really good because I was able to put the two motos together. I went nine, 10 for
0: ninth overall. And that, that was a, a great moment for sure uh, like uh, a day you'll definitely remember for uh, many years to come of course the next weekend you get food poisoning and ba- and I wouldn't say derails you but uh, definitely sets you back for about a two week period cuz if anyone's uh, had um Bad food poisoning. You're 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 basically completely depleted. Uh, not only the day of, but uh, the days that follow. And uh, uh, you guys don't get a lot of breaks in in Supercross. You probably know that as as well as anybody does. Um, but you're able to right the ship after uh, um, after Washougal, and um, yeah, leading laps or le- at least getting a whole shot and uh, being out front uh at uh the, the mud race and this last weekend again I, I thought it was so funny that we weren't able to connect on a podcast this last week but then you go out and uh give me even more reason for wanting to have you on the show because you rip off yet another whole shot ahead of all those guys uh the bikes looking good and uh, uh making some noise for uh for uh tpj racing which is uh, a huge uh accomplishment because uh those guys do so much hard work right
1: absolutely yeah and uh you know, I was bummed because I went into this last weekend saying that, you know, I wanted to have my career best finish and the first moto I got out front, I did what I needed to do and I was running, I think fourth place and I went down and I got up and there was a huge gap and then fifth came around or fourth was, uh, behind me was Roxton and he had passed me. I got up from the crash and we had a huge gap. And honestly, I truly believe that I would have finished about, you know, fifth or sixth place and Unfortunately, I went down again, and that one was really bad because my front end was under so much mud, and I honestly couldn't pick my bike up. And it just kind of spiraled from there. And then after three crashes, I ended up frying my clutch, you know, from getting stuck in all the mud from my crashing. And then, you know, we put a fresh clutch in, but second moto, I guess, you know, I was a little bit harder on it than I thought. And then once again, I fried it again. So that was unfortunate. But, you know, I feel like, you know, In a mud race, I feel like the expectations a bit lower. I feel like, you know, the, the teams and stuff like that, they know a lot can happen, you know, with bikes and stuff like that. But I feel like the whole shot definitely helped. And I feel like that'll be stuck in their head going into this following 2019 season.
0: For sure, like you you put yourself on the map, and I'm sure because of that you get a few extra phone calls uh, from not only guys like myself but also uh, some sponsors and uh, I also noticed that you uh, switched goggle uh, manufacturers late in the season, uh, choosing x brand, which of course rich Taylor over at X brand makes phenomenal goggles and uh, long lineage of making great goggles. Uh, why make the switch late in the season
1: uh, Unadilla i you know I had my whole shot and I had to end up pulling in the mechanics area a few too many times. I was having some goggle issues and, uh, you know, I'm thankful to everyone that helps me, but you know, the goggle company at the time that I was running, I feel like it's just, you know, they're, they're not quite heavy in the moto anymore. And I feel like some of the problems I was having was just, you know, a little bit, uh, old school engineering maybe. And I, you know, I didn't want to have to have that excuse. And I knew that there was a chance that Bud's Creek and Indiana were potentially, you know, could have been Mudders. We got lucky with Bud's Creek, but, you know, Indiana was. And I wanted to make sure that, you know, I wasn't going to have any goggle problems. So I'd reached out to a few people. And Rich Taylor had gotten back to me first and was like, hey, man, you know, we'll definitely be willing to help you. Anything you need, let me know. And uh, he was able to get me a few sets to try out the week before Bud's Creek. I tried them, I loved them, and he uh I showed up to Bud's Creek, and you know he had someone bring him over to me already prepped and ready to go and and that was another thing too, is the whole season you know uh the company I was running at the time didn't have anyone you know didn't have a rep coming to the races, so I had to make sure that I had all my tear offs and roll offs and everything ahead of time. I had to prep my own goggles and you know with you know trying to focus so much with the race and everything that's going on, it's kind of hard to be prepping all your own goggles and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I called rich, you know, he set me up and we were good for the last two rounds. And as of now, you know, if, if I am able to pick my goggles for next year, I will, I'll stay with them.
0: Fair enough. Absolutely. And yeah, like uh, you want to have uh, a company that's dedicated to the sport and uh, they have that that a person uh, um, basically dedicated to making sure that all you guys have to worry about on race day, twisting the throttle and going fast. I think that's when uh, all pros, regardless of their uh, their national number or if they're a rookie or uh, veteran, when when all you guys have to worry about is the motorcycle going fast on it, uh, and the track itself, that way, that's when you guys can make something truly special happen. And it's good that, uh, Rich was able to uh, help you out and-, and make that happen. Um, the, the 87 or 86 this year, you will more than likely be dropping as far as a number, um, are, is concerned. Uh, do you know roughly where you're going to be? I'm figuring you're probably going to be in either the high thirties or, uh, or low 40s, uh, what does that mean to you moving forward, uh, given the fact that uh, you've only been at this for a couple of years now? Yeah, you know, it's pretty awesome.
1: And, uh, you know, every year I think the numbers end up coming out on, like, September 20th, but uh, I just so happened to look at someone had posted something on Vital, and I took a click on it, and they've already started the projections for next year, and it's looking like my number's probably going to be around 53 or 54. I like Um, it you know, I, uh, I had a lot of great finishes and good points this year, but, you know, I, unfortunately that I had a lot of, you know, motos that I, you know, there was a few motos I didn't finish. And then, uh, another few that, you know, I had bike problems or, you know, had to come from last and wasn't able to, you know, score points. So, you know, if, if I had had, you know, three motos, you know, I think I have like four motos that I didn't score any points in, you know if i had scored a few in each of those i probably would have been in about the 40s but you know it is what it is and you know just going from 86 to you know the low 50s you know that's that's a huge accomplishment itself
0: Fair enough. Well, this is kind of a curious question. If you uh, had, like, if you ever got to the point where you can choose a now na- a a, per- a permanent number, ha- it would have to be a two digit number. What would you choose? And uh, if you if you were able to pick a three digit number as a permanent number, what would you choose upon that? Because I know uh, I think you you ran a a three digit number, the, the same one for a number of years prior to uh, getting your your now eighty six.
1: Yeah. So throughout my entire amateur career, I was number five fifty nine. And that's, that's just always been my number. You know, I always ran it. I had good luck with it. And, uh, that'll always be my original number. So if I had to pick a three digit, it would definitely be that. Um, and then, you know, shifting over to where if, if I was ever in a position for a career number, that's a hard one because, you know, I, uh, I, I love the number 18. That was my Loretta Lynn's number. And, uh, I won a championship with that unfortunately weston pike just picked that
0: i think yeah you're gonna <laughs> so, have to wrestle that away so, from weston and good luck
1: yeah so we're, we're gonna have to work that out you know man to man no but uh <laughs> you know if i get in a position and you know he's still racing you know uh another number i have in mind but a lot of pressure would come with it is number five you know because i was always number 559 and i always looked up to laracco back in the day and obviously dungy um and i know no one has that number as of now. Um, So that's another number I like. So definitely if I was going into next year and they said you're eligible for a career number, what would it be?
0: I would say number five. There you go. Thank you for acknowledging Michael Arrocco as well as the former number five in uh, Ryan Dungey, who uh, I think someone's going to have to pick up that number soon. Uh it's it's about as just about as available as uh the seven is this year. We'll see. Uh I think I think Plessinger is gonna grab that seven. But uh um one thing I want I've been kinda noticed as uh, kind of leafing through your Instagram and, and if you're not already following Dylan underscore Merriam. Please go do so. He's a good follow. Lots of uh, uh, beautiful fly racing gear on uh, on your your posts, week after week after week. But uh, also notice um, you're a heavy user of the uh, the AC system. A uh, like a, it's, a, it's a system basically that uh, pulls your nose apart and allows you to uh, not only bring in more oxygen through your nose, but uh, it's it's actually like kind of a, a exchanging of gases that I've been told from uh, none other than the the developer of that uh, com- company uh Dave, Cast- Dave Castillo um why go to that system how often do you use it is there any time that you don't use it and uh do you feel like it really helps
1: yeah i honestly do think it really helps and um you know on you know on your best day when everything is going good i don't feel like it's something that's a make or break but i feel like if you're someone that you know struggles with arm pump or like you know, on a day where, you know, you have a cold, especially, you know, there was a few times where I, you know, had a really stuffy nose and I was getting arm pumped because I wasn't breathing good. I put one of those on and honestly, it's like having a whole nother nose. (laughs) It really opens you up like a ton. And you're almost to the point where you don't even have to really think about your breathing because you know, you're forced to your nose is wide open and you get so much airflow through it. But, um, you know, I, I wore them a lot back in supercross and then coming into outdoor, uh, I believe they're rep, I'm not sure if he works for them anymore. I ran out and kind of lost contact with them. So I wasn't running them in the outdoors, but, uh, you know, I would definitely like to, uh, start running them again. You know, I, uh, it definitely helps,
0: um, you know, and it definitely doesn't, uh, hurt you in any way. No, absolutely. We got we got to get you in touch with Dave himself and see if you, like if, like just imagine how much further ahead you could have been some of those motos if especially those those uh, rainy motos if you would have had the AC system. But uh um it's it's been an amazing season for you. Uh, I think uh, obviously next year there's a little bit of pressure on to continue that growth. You, like uh, you want to see incremental uh, dividends in your work every single season. So uh, that being said, moving into uh, such events like uh, Monster Cup coming up, and uh, and maybe some off-season Supercrosses and stuff like that. What does the off-season look like for a guy like yourself? Um, do you chase the the Supercrosses uh, in uh, in Europe? Do you go to the Montreal Supercross in a couple of weeks? What what's on the docket for Or uh, Dylan Miriam? You know, a lot
1: of stuff right now is up in the air. Um, I'm trying to, you know, I'm in the process actually at the moment of reaching out to teams and trying to figure out what direction we're going to go next year. Personally, I would like to, you know, I'd like to get a shot on a 250 team for next year for Supercross. I feel like I have a lot to prove in the 250 class. But if it doesn't work out, you know, I'd also like to get some help in the 450. So that's kind of determining, you know, what races I can do. Um, I definitely have been looking into wanting to do the Germany Supercrosses and Monster Cup as well. And uh, I'm not so sure on the Montreal one. I think that one is actually coming up here in a few weeks. That's a bit soon. Uh, You know, I won't have anything probably set in stone before then. But, you know, if I get a deal and I'm, you know, if I'm allowed to go overseas and do stuff like that, I'd really like to do Germany.
0: Fair enough. Well, we've definitely seen some uh, some top flight privateers go over there over the years and uh, make some noise. Guys like Nick Schmidt and, of course, uh, the famed uh, Jason Thomas, who, of course, works at WPS Fly Racing, the same brand that you you uh, run uh, on a weekly basis. And I, I believe that's uh, directly in conjunction with uh, the team you're, that you're with is uh, TPJ, um, like First of all, like, what's it like working with Max and everybody over at Fly uh, to, to get you dressed head to toe in the latest and greatest? And uh, how would you kind of get hooked up with uh, um, TPJ a little bit? And tell us a little bit about how uh, that dynamic works well with your uh, program.
1: Yeah, so when we were, you know, when we were first going pro, we were trying to figure out. You know, I had gotten hurt and I wasn't able to do the two fifty West Coast. So we were talking with a few people and we were trying to figure out how to go about doing East coast and, you know, the best affordable way to do it. And we had gotten in touch with Ted parks and found out that, you know, his program can, you know, they do both West coast and East coast and they basically, they take your bike to all the rounds and stuff like that. And, you know, before, you know, back in 2016, I was wearing Troy Lee. And one of the requirements of TPJ is to wear fly. So he got me in contact with Max and, uh, you know, we started to build that relationship throughout 2017 and then coming into 18, you know, we have a great relationship. And then they brought on Dalton. Um, and you know, working with Dalton and then Dalton and Max has been awesome. Anything I need, everything, you know, it's not a problem. I just tell them most of the time they just, you know, they bring stuff. I don't even have to tell them, but, uh, you know, I'm always looking good out on the track. I have what I need and, You know, I couldn't ask for a a better support
0: program from Gear. There you go. And, yeah, they've definitely been a huge supporter of – Privateer guys, factory guys, which I'm sure you'd like to become one uh, at some point. Um, and uh, and and with that, I know you've got a ton of great sponsors, not only your own, but uh, with the TPJ team. Uh, I give you an opportunity to kind of thank a few of those people because they've been supporting you all season long, including, uh, I guess, uh, if you if you had any, uh, if you remember a few of those sponsors that you had at, uh, at Rock River, you can uh, mention those as well.
1: Uh, yeah, you know, those ones were kind of hard to remember. It was a short time, but, uh,
0: yeah.
1: you, know, you know, I'll try to remember them. But, you know, I'd definitely like to thank TPJ, Fly Racing, Alpine Stars, X-Brand Goggles, uh, Brop Shop Yamaha, ODI Grips, uh, Herb Strong, DSC Construction especially. Uh, you know, he helped uh, bring on my mechanic, who I'd also like to thank, Blake McCarthy. Yeah. You know, he was a huge part of my success this year. Uh, dedicated Ride pirelli lucas oil guts racing twisted development building me you know freaking great bike get out front in those races uh you know k uh enzo racing a uh magic graphics galfer recluse pro circuit and uh anyone
0: else you know i might have forgotten you know thank you Awesome, man. Well, you do a great job for those sponsors, and I'm sure that list will only continue to grow. Dylan Merriam here on the Big MX Radio Podcast, and uh, we really appreciate the time, my friend. This has been fun. Uh, I'd love to catch up with you sometime during this offseason to kind of see how things are starting to uh, progress for you, moving into uh, the 2019 Supercross, where uh, either, been, uh, either making a little bit more noise on a 250F or uh, continuing to be patient and smooth on the 450. We'll see.
1: For sure, yeah, thanks for uh bringing me on, and yeah, hopefully next time we talk, we have some big things in the works, and we can discuss
0: it absolutely big uh big announcements to come for Dylan Miriam, I believe so uh thanks for the time, my friend. Don't hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, we'll cut it off right there,
1: yep, thank you.